When considering the many hallmarks of San Diego, sudden political change usually isn't one of them. Following the death of George Floyd by Minneapolis police, San Diego leaders moved within days to change policing policy by banning the use of the carotid restraint. And at the same time, San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner announced his support for an effort to establish a commission to review police actions. While these moves do signal a sea change, they only represent a first step in reforming a system that is ingrained in our culture. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Michael Smolens, you're the political columnist for the Union-Tribune. Politically, these announcements and changes are notable. Why do you think change came so quickly on the carotid restraint? Well, clearly the, the protests and the outpouring over the Floyd death, I mean, uh, you, you know, they were in a tough spot. Uh, people are very angry. A lot of people are, and don't think that the system works for a lot of folks, particularly, you know, police community relations. While I think better here in San Diego than in some other cities are still very uh, tentative uh, with, uh, you know, people of color and minority organizations. So I think that they wanted to find things very quickly to show that, okay, we are serious about, you know, moving forward in a different direction. And those two, uh, those two things were uh, things that have been discussed. They've been pushed on and haven't gone there before. Uh, but now, obviously, seemed like the time. Mm -hmm. And just so people have an understanding, what has the mayor's record been on policing? Can you explain his relationship with the police? Oh, it's been a very good relationship, I think. Uh, you know, I haven't recall, but he's been endorsed by the Police Officers Association, the union in the past. Uh, the former police chief, uh, Shelly Zimmerman, was, uh, you know, he had uh, been friendly with her, friends with her, and an ally for years as a councilman before he became mayor. So they know each other very well, and he appointed her. Uh, subsequently, when she re retired, uh, he appointed uh, Chief David Neslett. Uh, so, you know, he's... Um, you know, he's not necessarily a hardcore law, law and order person. I mean, he wants social justice to certain degrees, but uh, he, he's very support, supportive of the police and his budget has shown that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, when you consider San Diego, we're one of the safest cities in the nation. So, you know, some of the issues that are happening nationwide don't necessarily apply in San Diego. But at the same time, there have been reports in the past showing that minority communities, blacks and Latinos have been over policed. So there is still some moves that could be made to improve equity. Right. Uh, you know, I think that that, uh, you know, we're not a segregated society, but, I, you know, you have to think that it, it's hard as much as we as journalists are out in the community you know, we want to have sympathy, we want to have empathy, but, uh, you know, you talk to, to, you know, people, particularly in minority heavy neighborhoods, and they describe quite a different world, I think, than a lot of people see in, in the more suburban, whiter neighborhoods, uh, that, that there's a lot more tension. Uh, they think that they're not being treated fairly or equally uh, by police. Mm-hmm. And also there's a discussion about this new independent commission that would kind of review some police actions. Can you explain how this would work? Well, first of all, there's an existing commission, uh, a police review board. But what that does essentially is review, uh, it, it looks at police misconduct, but it, it basically assesses and reviews internal San Diego Police Department investigations into misconduct. What this new board would do, if it's approved, uh, it looks like it will go on the ballot, um, is that it's an independent board. It would have uh, the power of subpoena. 
It would have its own attorneys and it would have its own independent investigators. So that's a big difference. Uh, and, you know, exactly how it would work with their, you know, conclusions and the prosecution of police officers. But, you know, there's a lot been a lot of suspicion that that the not that the members of the current commission aren't well-meaning, but they're a little bit uh, hands are tied because they're just dealing with what they're given largely. And critics, as you can imagine, think it's a rather toothless situation. So there is police oversight, but uh, some don't think it's as strong as it should be. And this would be a, quite a big difference. Mm-hmm. So it is notable that these two things happened relatively quickly after the George Floyd death. But your column does point out that these were things that were already kind of in discussion, low-hanging fruit, as you could describe them. So what do you think is the next step? What are steps that leaders need to make to kind of continue this ongoing reform of something that, you know, is being criticized coast to coast? Well, a couple things, just to get back to your original comment before we move forward, that uh, yes, you know, I mean, I use the term low-hanging fruit. These are significant steps. There's no question about that. But they've been, you know, the, the, the social justice and c- criminal justice advocates have been pushing for the getting rid of the car- carotid restraint for some time. And that hasn't happened. And that's been their initiative, as has been the, uh, you know, the independent commission. And so basically, in a way, frankly, you could look at it that, you know, these groups that have not always had the best relations with uh, the, the police universe, really sort of bailed out the police and their allies in the political world because here were these two ready-made policy changes that were right there on a platter for these folks to move forward with to show that they're really doing something and not just talking. But moving forward, you know, there's, again, first of all, there's skepticism as to whether, you know, are people going to try to water down the ballot measure uh, before it gets on the ballot and so forth. Again, there's not sometimes there's a fair amount of distrust in this whole relationship. But moving forward, I think the key thing is that the police are going to have to police themselves, uh, you know, for it's just sort of a given that, you know, police officers rightfully are their brothers and sisters keepers. They, they look out for each other's backs, but they also don't generally talk a lot when they witness misconduct. There needs to be a sea change in terms of them stepping forward when they're seeing misconduct and doing something about it. I'm not sure exactly what, whether it's reporting, but when people report misconduct, they're often ostracized from police departments. And that's the thing that particularly Summer Stefan said has to change. She pointed out that that uh, in, in schools, teachers and counselors are now mandatory reporters. So when they see abuse like, you know, uh, sexual abuse of minors and things like that or hear of it, they have to report it. And she says, that's what we need for prosecutors and police. That will be a huge change if that happens. Yeah, certainly. We're seeing that happen in real time, like those officers uh, alongside Derek Chauvin, who didn't get arrested at the same time, but were arrested and charged earlier this week. And even just last night with that terrible video of that man being pushed over by the uh, police in upstate New York, it's... You know, this culture has to change and it's going to be difficult for police departments to do so. But if you establish commissions and other frameworks for, you know, discipline and reporting to actually function, things could change. But establishing those frameworks is kind of the hard work that needs to get done first. Well, but I do want to take a step back. Look, there have been thousands and thousands of police officers across the country out on the streets dealing with these protests. And, you know, most of them have been doing the job that they're supposed to, a good job, and been, you know, joining in. I mean, in, you know, this awful climate, sometimes we just see, we saw in Point Loma a protest here. Police were praying with the protesters. We've seen them 
taking a knee with the protesters. We've seen them dancing with protesters in some cities. But we've also seen those awful videos where, you know, there's clearly uh, some excessive force or unnecessary force with other officers around. And so that's the thing that, that will need to change. Also, I think in looking down the line that, that in San Diego, for instance, you know, there's been a push by a different police advisory board, the Community Relations Board. They've come up with recommendations, and one of them is to institute a de-escalation policy as part of their use of force policy. In other words, there are tactics to try to calm things down before it, it escalates. And that board has not been happy with where the San Diego police has been. So I think these are the kinds of things that, that will tell the tale if, to the people that think things have not been going well if they see progress on that. Mm-hmm. And also, as things uh, you know keep moving and begin to change, what are some leaders within kind of the electeds in San Diego that we should keep an eye on as you know possible police reformers? Well, frankly, even before the mayor uh, moved forward in this way, uh, I think you had a majority of the council that would have voted to put this on the ballot. Remember, you know we've got a super majority of uh, Democrats on the on the ballot. But not all Democrats have supported this in the past. Some are, you know, I mean, they're very close with the police union. They get support from the police union. And as we know, it's an influential group. It should be. But it's also politically influential. Um, and, you know, an endorsement or opposition from the Police Officers Association uh, can be very significant in, in a campaign. So people don't take this lightly. But you've had particularly uh, Council Member Monica Montgomery and uh, Council President Georgette Gomez have really been at the forefront of this latest push for this independent commission. Um, so they're ones to, to watch. But also it'll be interesting to see where some of the Republicans, uh, Scott Sherman, Chris Kate, and the Republican turned independent Mark Kersey go on this. I have a feeling by the time this gets before them, if the changes haven't been made or if changes haven't been made that are unacceptable to the, the people that pushed this to begin with, you'll probably see a major, uh, unanimous vote to put this on the ballot. Uh, that doesn't mean they'll all support it. Uh, frankly, the, the Police Officers Association said they signed off on this. This has to be negotiated because it involves labor issues, but they're not endorsing it. They're they're endorsing putting it on the ballot, but they want to let the people to, to decide. Mm-hmm. And also in speaking with your sources, how has this week been? Have you noticed a tone shift in you know, discussing issues that have always been a problem, but now are so much more at the forefront? Well, I think if you go back in history, you know, we've had civil unrest, we've had racial unrest, we've had, you know, protests and riots, uh, you know, over the generations. And there's always been efforts to, to bring people together and, and, you know, commissions and whatnot to, to, to try to improve things. You know, I won't speak to how much improvement there's been, but we do. It, there does seem to be a little bit of deja vu all over again. And a lot of, you know, strong words were said by people that might not have been the in the reform mode to start doing that. Uh, but I think things are different now. The, 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 the population is much more diverse. The people involved in the protests uh, are much more diverse. Uh, and the uh, political world in San Diego is much more diverse. So, uh you know, it's easy to talk. I think uh, the San Diego leaders did, uh, you know, something really substantial by, uh, you know, banning the carotid restraint and moving forward on this um, ballot measure. That's more than talk. But the key is once the protests die down, once George uh, Flood, unfortunately, you know, fades into memory, 
do, can they sustain this kind of momentum? And that'll really be the key because there's a lot of under, underlying issues beyond policing uh, in terms of the societal and economic front that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Certainly. It's like in a strange way, this uh, pandemic has kind of laid the chance for change down because so many things have broken and so much pain has been felt economically that this is the chance for leaders to actually address the system in ways that couldn't have happened in a happier status quo, it appears. Well, perhaps, but, you know, we're here for a reason that, you know, these aren't new issues. They've been around for decades and they obviously haven't been solved to enough people's satisfaction. So, uh, you know, they, they, they did some important things this week, but there's a lot of heavy lifting for years to come uh, to, to, to re- really fix this. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And uh, as you conten- continue kind of looking at uh, leaders in San Diego, what's kind of the next big thing that we're going to see? Will there be discussion about this commission in the coming city council meetings? Like, what should we expect to hear in the next weeks and months? Yeah, I think on June 23, uh, Council President Georgette Gomez, she has already scheduled, uh, a, you know, a meeting or a hearing on this ballot measure. I think that they expect it to be presented to them and that they expect to vote to put it on the ballot. Uh, again, nobody's seen the, the final language. We know what the uh, San Diegans for, for Justice, that's sort of the, the one of the central groups that have pushed this, what they proposed. Uh, so I would be surprised if they made a lot of changes that, that really kind of blew this up at this stage. People want some movement here, uh, you know, across the board. Uh, they want to calm things down. You know, is it window dressing? I don't I, I don't want to be cynical. I don't think so, uh, given the actions taken this week. But um, so that's the first step there. And uh, uh, I think because Mayor Faulkner, a Republican, a moderate Republican, came out and endorsed this uh, commission, you're going to see a lot of people getting off the fence. Uh, that's already happened. Uh, even a lot of Democrats were on the fence uh, that are jumping on board very quickly. And also, have you heard anything from either Todd Gloria or Barbara Bree? Well, Barbara Bree, uh, the council member Barbara Bree, who's running for mayor, she was, I don't know if in on the ground floor, but she was a very early endorser on this, as some others were. I mean, you know, we there's a lot of advocates out in the community that have been pushing these things for a long time. Representative Scott Peters was an early uh, endorser of this proposal. Uh, Todd Gloria said not too long ago, well, maybe in February, that he wanted to see the language of it, so he wasn't uh, he wasn't on board. Uh, he has now endorsed it. Uh, he, we haven't seen the language, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, I, I think that the pressure would be on him if he didn't get on board. You know, will people remember that 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 he sort of went only when the pressure got so hot? And does Barbara Bree get a, a you know benefit out of that? We'll see. I mean, unions are very backing, very much backing Todd Gloria. And I'm not sure if the Police Officers Association has yet, but I suspect they they just might. Mm -hmm. All right. Michael Smolens, thank you so much. See you again, Daniel. In other news, California officials said that counties could begin reopening gyms, day camps, bars, and some professional sports as early as next Friday. But specifics remain unclear. Officials stress that such reopenings will be based on local conditions. Any reopening will come with strict safety rules and social distancing mandates. The announcement marks the latest effort to rapidly reopen the economy after months of closures because of the pandemic. California continues to see new cases and deaths, and there has been debate about whether the state is reopening too quickly. In San Diego County, 
at least 1,880 people have been infected with the virus, and 294 have died. San Diego News Fix is hosted and edited by myself, Daniel Wheaton. Special thanks to Louise Cruz for producing the live broadcasted recordings on social media. Digital Creative Director Beto Alvarez is this podcast editor. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time, truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.